Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome once again to Courtside with Joe Morelli. Joe Morelli, of course, the head boys basketball beat writer for Game Time TV and the Hearst Connecticut Media Group. And I'm your host, Sean Patrick Bowley. Joseph, how are you? Good morning, Sean. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> What's happening? So now you can find us every Tuesday, as we said, on, on, on Game Time CT on your website. iTunes, you can find us in the ice. App Store, Spotify. We got a Spotify. We got an App Store. Yeah, we got. A, we're all over the place. You can find us. Please take a, give a listen, and uh, and obviously we, go, we try to have a guest every week. And this week I, we have Sacred Heart coach John Carroll joining us on the uh, Courtside with Joe Morelli podcast. Yeah, and I, at the top of the show you heard some of the games, some of the big games we saw last night, including John Carroll's uh, boys basketball team at Sacred Heart, which at the time was ranked number two and defeating its rival Crosby at the Palace. To win it, 111th, 111th straight league game in the Naugatuck Valley. Right, thank you. They were tied for second with Windsor going into the week, and this week it changed a little bit. Even though Sacred Heart remained undefeated, and Windsor has three losses, Windsor is now number two, and Sacred Heart number three. We'll get into that. Right, right. And then you also heard a little bit from uh, the Floyd Little Athletic Center, where Hillhouse blew a big lead. To Windsor and lost that game. You can hear you heard a little bit from them. Uh, even uh, Kenny Smith, who we had on last week, said, uh, "Yeah, the better better team probably didn't win that game." And uh, so we'll we'll get into all that. Uh, the latest top ten poll uh, it dropped yesterday, and uh, not a whole heck of a lot of surprises. He had some reshuffling here. East Catholic, of course, still number one, fifteen right. first place votes. Windsor is actually captures the sole number two spot after sharing with Sacred Heart last week. Right. They've got four first-place votes. Number three is Sacred Heart. Uh, number four is Notre Dame-West Haven, which 
had a great game with Hamden the other night. They held the held the Green Dragons off to stay undefeated, seven and zero. Number five is Hill House, which, as we discussed, only lost so far as they lost to Windsor. Number six is Norwich Free Academy, which is also undefeated at eight and zero. They defeated Waterford, fifty nine forty three. Number seven, Immaculate, which I believe won last night, so I think they're six and one now. Number eight, Prince Tech, moving up the rankings. Kazel Stewart and, and the and the and the Falcons six and zero. I think they might have played last night as well. I don't remember. Number nine is Wilbur Crutch got upset by Amity fifty three fifty two. The alma mater for you. Yeah, sure. alma, alma mater. But Amity has been has been the thorn in Wilbur Cross's side for for a couple of years now. At least it feels like. And uh, and Amity knocks off the Governors, but the Governors still managed to get in there at number nine. And of course, number ten, the darling team of the FCX Staples, which defeated Danbury seventy to fifty eight and Trinity Catholic. 66 to 59. They are the unbeaten darling teams of the Fairfield County Interscholastic Athletic Conference. Joe, what do you think of the top 10? What do I think of the top 10? Well, I think East Catholic is where they should be right now. Um, that's who I have voted number one. I, I completely understand and debated for a long time last week. What do I do with Windsor? With the, had they only lost one game down in Florida or, or got to the consolation final? I probably would have felt differently, um, but I, I had them at number two myself, and uh, I have a feeling it's gonna be they're gonna be one two going to their matchup on January twenty eighth when they play each other at Windsor, a game that was supposed to be December twentieth and that was moved. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Yes. Um, Windsor, not surprised. You know, I mean, they're lucky. Actually, actually, they're lucky they're still in the top five. They really should have lost that game. Windsor. I mean, we were there. When you get out-rebounded by 20, when your stars aren't playing well, when basically Hill House out-hustled them, out-manned them for 30 minutes, okay? And yes, there was a bad 10-second violation that was eight seconds in the game with 30-something seconds to go, and that contributed to the loss. But Hill House was well on its way to... Not yeah, that was a contributing to, factor. Yeah, it was a contributing factor, but they were up five at the time. Spears went, was I mean, uncontested in the, to Spears get it within three. Basically, put the team on his back. Right, scored yeah. eighteen points in the fourth quarter. Finishes with thirty six. Showed why he's among the best teams in the state, if not the best player in the state. Excuse me, best player, not teams. Um, and it was great theater. I mean, and there wasn't a lot of people, but it was a good. I know you and I disagreed. I thought it was a good game. In the sense where there was actually scoring, because I've been there a lot of times where there's been a lot of bad shooting, a lot of turnovers, just not a well played game. I think once it got over the early kinks, I think the game got better. Yeah, here it just it was a it was really I mean like a lot of games this early in the season, teams are still you know they're not going out they're not gangbusters. Uh, even the, the Crosby Sacred Heart game, you know, a little slow to get going. Uh, but the Hill House Windsor one, especially, it looked like like it's nothing. It looked like it had lids on the on the. Uh, it did, uh, but, you know, and it, it but just, eventually it was a clunky game. It picked up. Hill House had a big lead. They had like a nine point lead, right? And uh, you know, it was still clunky at that point. But they were starting to hit shots, and that was what I was looking for. Hitting somebody hit some shots. Well, I think because it's not fun watching a bunch of you know watching a bricklaying convention. No, it's not. And and, and, and it, Primo was a big it was you could nothing could, was going as, for him. as people will tell you. In the arena, it's hard if you've not played there because there's no background. It's difficult for right. shooters. Right, right. It's like it, playing in the Carrito. It is. Syracuse. It is. It's difficult if you've not used to the idea. Now, Windsor survives. Um, Hill House is fifth. 
they had an eight point lead with less than two minutes to go. You got to figure out how to close those games. Right, out. and that, that's have, what that's part of it too. That's what Renard was saying after. But let's talk was. about that that violation though. What yeah. what you were there? You were at the scores table. Yeah. What exactly happened there? I've heard different competing things. I, I saw someone say that that the 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 game clock didn't start on time, so it was inaccurate. And the refs had I think it right. That, that's that was debates online. I don't think anybody really knows for certain. From what, what I understand, the the clock started on time. It was thirty eight point seven seconds left with the inbound the ball, and then I believe it was thirty point something. I think it was seven, off the top of my head when they stopped and called the 10-second violation. Now, obviously, the Windsor coaches were in the referee's ears, obviously asking for it, which is their right. Now, I don't know if he – I'm not saying he was influenced or not, but he counted 10. I know the referees huddled, but the, the ones stood by his call. Now, um, again, you can't account for possible human error, but, again, I don't think they remembered I, – I think – Looking back, I think they realized they possibly made a mistake. But again, you know, it happens. Referees make mistakes. We see it right. all the time. And, and the fact of the matter was, Hill House was still up five at that point with 30 seconds left. Right. And they ended up going over. Time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Hill House never they, scored again in the final two minutes. That's right. And they also lost, uh, who was their. Uh, and on that play, Tejon Daniels yeah, got right. hurt in the background. And then. He was great for them, too, all, he, all game. He's a, he played a very good floor game. And, and then, obviously, they got the ball stolen from him in the next possession because they didn't have him in the game. Right. And he's their best free throw shooter. So. And, then, and, then, and then Primo goes in to make it a three point game. And at that point, all bets are off with a Right. 30 and then they left. stole the ball. And then they end up working a play. The, the original play was supposed to go to Corey. McKeithen, I got the name wrong. It's not McKeithen. Yeah, you got McKeithen, it. Okay, he kicks it to Spears, who's at the hash mark, drills the three with. Yeah, I was shocked how wide open was. I know the play was designed for Corey. Yeah. Um, but he, but it, somebody get a body on 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 Primo. I mean, he he was wide open for and that Hill shot. House, and their defense was not a lot. Did not allow Hillhouse to get a shot off, and Hillhouse was basically dead at that mm-hmm. point. And, he, and then, and then over time, it was like well, that's what I'm saying. Hillhouse was just out of it, and and Windsor just ran him off the court. Right. I mean. The, a learning experience for the academics, so to speak. Uh, you know, something that they can take away from. Now they all right, they, they know they can hang with a team like Windsor. They know that they can play with a team like Windsor. Which, uh, is what, which, which was, was not on its good. It, it was not on its best night, Windsor. Let's be honest. They, no, but that was Renard Sutton's point. And they were saying how much, that's so much better. That was and the, and it, and that that's was the his, takeaway. That was his take to us, the, the polls, and that's fine. I still think that Windsor is the best team when they play the best. Right. But... So. As we saw with Middletown, as we saw with Hill House, they can't be beat. And obviously, they were beating Florida three times. So, um, maybe they'll see each other again in the Division One tournament. Who knows? Right. And then the other the other big game, uh, obviously, and we'll talk about it a little bit more when John Carroll joins us in studio. Which yeah, is, that's what I'm told. He's in studio. He's which coming is, down. But we'll, we'll, I think that's a, that's a first for the Joe Morelli podcast. No, Jason Shea last year came down for oh, the did, he did? Yeah, oh. We discussed the uh, Notre Dame prep. Oh, right, right. Okay. Right, right, right. All Anyhow, right, so. we'll get into it more, but obviously, you know, you, the only time you try to go see Sacred Heart, honestly, is when they have a chance to lose. And it's no offense. It's just you want to see them and play competitive games in the NBL, and there's only a handful. No disrespect to the rest of the teams. They're playing one tomorrow night at Holy Cross. They play at the – anytime you go to the Palace, it's a chance. And you know what? Say what you want about the Hearts. Say what you want about what they've done, what division they won state championships in. To win 111 in a row, I don't care who you are. I don't care what sport it is. It's something to be 
spoken for how good that is, regardless. And Lorenzo Washington yeah. dominated the second half. The kid was great. He was great. He got the difference being he got a lot of it at the basket and at the free throw line. I didn't, and as I asked Nick Jelly, the longtime Crosby coach, I mean, they really didn't make it hard for him. No. I mean, you were there shooting video. I mean, everything was right, came right at you. No, he was pretty much, he would go in and uncontested. Yeah. You know, they you got to get a body on him. They got to close the lane down. He had some easy, easy buckets there. I mean, he was hitting from the outside. I mean, he he wasn't hitting any, none of them were three-pointers. I mean, no. he scored he he 38 points. He didn't have a three-pointer. Right. Um, but he was going in. He was hitting his foul shots. And and the other thing was, uh, you know, Crosby wasn't hitting their foul shots. You know, that, that was Davis another. Davis missed three in a row. And uh, and the, the interesting thing is Connor Di- Connor Tierney was not a factor. The seven footer for Sacred Heart. No, he he, he had a three pointer early, and he scored five. Points and they had early, a dunk late, and, and that he was really didn't do anything else. That was pretty much it. I don't know, you know. Again, I'm not, you know. We saw jo- our buddy Joe Palladino, the retired Republican American uh, writer, who he's still going to basketball games, which is great he, to he, see. As he said, he gets to go home. Yeah, after. he gets to go home and not worry about writing the stories. We get video and all that stuff. He though. is the mayor of Waterbury. Yes, you know, he is. the NVL hoops. He is missed. He is the Joe Morelli of Waterbury. So it was great to see Joe Pal up there. But we're all. But even Joe Pal was looking around. He's looking at the palace. Not not full by any stretch of the imagination. Not an exactly an electric atmosphere. It was tough, you sure, but not an electric atmosphere. Two teams that we've seen better in the past, obviously, especially Sacred Heart. Um, but you know, it, wow. just from talking to Joe Pal, it seems like it's not a great year in the NVL, as you you were saying. Well, that I think I don't know if Sacred Heart has a big time following. It's a small school. I mean, they have a small gym. I think that's well. I think if Crosby were reverse, I think you'd see a lot more people. But again, you need Crosby or Holy Cross need to knock off the top dog for people to be interested. Well, here's what I'm saying. I they're just not the star. Pa- I mean, Lorenzo Washington is very good. The seven fitter. You don't have Mustafa Heron. Right, right. You don't have that. You don't have that. There's there's still people don't know anything about these teams. I mean Crosby, good team, but is it a is it you know you see Anthony Ireland running around out there? No, no. no. I mean obviously it's been it's a different thing there. But even Sacred Heart, as Coach Ajelli was saying afterward, it's not their best team either. It's, oh no, it, this is probably one of their weakest teams in a long time. Yeah, I think it is, and, and but again, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. I mean, I, will they be able to get through the NBL unscathed? I didn't think so. I thought they'd come back to the pack. If, if I Holy feel Cross, like if Holy Cross doesn't get them on Wednesday, I'm not sure if they lose a game in the league. Well, right, we're going to lay it on the line right now. They're going to lose a regular season game. Yes. Yeah, I agree. they're going to lose to somebody because again, Lorenzo's going to can't do it by himself. The other guys, you got some I mean, Caleb Sampson. You got some players, and the big guy's got to he's got to dominate. He's got. I mean, you're a seven footer. You've got to dominate. Right. You've got to do better. Yeah, but, I mean that's uh, yeah, that's obvious. I mean, so I, I, there are some other teams out there. I feel like one of these Waterbury teams, or maybe even Naugatuck. Oh, there, that's right. Naugatuck's a very good team. Too. Right, Joe Powell was Naugatuck. Joe Powell was talking to us about Naugatuck. That they're they're pretty decent. I mean, one of these will be. Can one of these teams have got to be able to knock yeah, them maybe off? Maybe maybe it's not. But here's the thing: I don't think they face. If I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head, February 21st is the day that rings out Naugatuck and Sacred Heart. So, it's. By then, Sacred Heart may have figured it out. Now they may have a loss. Who knows? But here was another thing I noticed. Maybe they both. Now it'd be great if they both came in undefeated. Yeah. Oh, I mean, tremendous. Obviously. Go ahead. Here was another thing that, that defense. There, not. They don't play defense. In the no, NBL. in sorry. the NBL, they don't. <laughs> they do not play defense. Oh they my don't. goodness! You come, you come, tell me. I mean, Sacred Heart 
when they had Fisher, when they had guys, they play on possessions. But overall, Sigurd probably plays the best de- half-court defense on the whole throughout their run, and that's why you get to a final. If you don't play defense, you're not going to go very far. And that's why these teams haven't gone very far. No. Yeah, you mean right. unless they have some stud in there like a Mustafa Heron or something I mean, like yes, that. But, listen. But, but going, going Windsor, from— SC Windsor, they play D. Going from Windsor Hill House, which was, you know, again, ugly— but it was a defensive slugfest. I agree fest. with the ugly. It was, it was ugly start. early. I mean, I, yeah, I'm just... I agree with you, but it got better as the game went on. And the people I talked to it, felt the same way and disagreed with you. But that's it, okay. It, you and I disagree. Yeah, it Sigurd built and Crosby up. was not in the same level as that game. No, no. Uh, especially defensively. That game was a high-level game. And I'm not here saying that Hill House is going to beat Sigurd. I don't know that. But they can, and Hill House showed that they could play with the big boys. Because it's been a couple of years since Hill House played with them. I guess here's my thing. We saw East Catholic playing. Who they play? They played a uh, they play a Ma- with a Massachusetts champion. They defeated uh, Lynn English of Massachusetts, fifty eight forty three. Now, I guess the question for me is: is that is East Catholic that much better than everyone else? No, I don't think so. And uh, just as, as no, I mentioned in, in the notes you can find on Game Time CT, um, along with Staples and Amity and Cross, as we mentioned, and. Uh, and uh, we break down the Sacred Heart Streak, which we'll get into more with John Carroll. Um, they're the only team from the CIAC in the uh, Hoopal this weekend. They're facing Archbishop Stepanak from New York. So they're challenging themselves. The Massachusetts team, Stepanak, they go to the Hoopal. I don't think they're as good. How, I, you can't lose Jalen Hunter and, and, no, I know. and what's his name? And, uh, his well, nephew. Um, they're clearly not as good as they were last Riley, year. Joey Riley. No, they're not. But. And Matt, the interesting thing is the one game, like we mentioned this last week on the podcast, the one game that I thought they could lose, Northwest Catholic, Matt Nolan didn't set out, and they still beat Northwest Catholic. So, again, they've got players who now have come off the bench from last year's team and now are playing significant roles, and you've got a coach who knows what he's doing. Joey, R- I mean, Luke Riley can coach. It's, yeah, it's that I'm, simple. Well, and he, and he, puts them, he puts his players in positions to succeed. So I'm interested to see how they do on Saturday. Speaking of surprises, uh, let's. Uh, yeah, I, I I know where you're going because I'm looking at it. Go ahead, <laughs> go, go ahead. I'm watching. Your so screen. I'm up at. Uh, it was after, right after. I think one of yep. the football. I think I was up in Newtown for one of the football things, and uh, after the it season, was, it was one of your podcasts. Yeah, and we were what up at. We were at Cover Two and Sandy Hook, and all, I asked, said, I asked all of a sudden it. walks in. Colin Devine and the Staples coaching staff, and you know, I was like, "Hey, you know, Colin's been there a while." You know, he. Do you he, know him? Yeah. Oh, I know Colin. Yeah, I I've him. never, all the years I've been on the beat, he and well, I never spoke. You hear that, Colin? You ha- Joe Morelli needs. You need to come on the Joe Morelli podcast. We got to get you on. Keep winning games. Well, we'll just, get you just, on. Just, just right. So Colin walks really in, and they just beaten Newtown. Yep. Or are they in the Newtown Holiday Tournament? They were playing in and. You know, and I said, they were there. I huh? said, so I know how you doing over there. You know, what's what's the story at the records this year? Now, Staples has never been a great basketball power. They've been okay. They've had their moments, but you know, you're not seeing a winning FCX championships anytime soon. They mean they're more like a quarterfile team that gets knocked out. You know, maybe in the four or five game or the seven, you know, two game. But uh, but hey, look at this. Uh, that was an impressive win over Danbury. I mean, Danbury was ranked last week seventy to fifty eight. You have Jake Thaw coming back from. Uh, from from football season, uh, you know he had an all state football season. Now he's sitting there leading the help, helping the uh, the records. What's the story with Staples? Are, are Staples legit? Are they are they for real? Well, I don't think anybody would have guessed. Maybe other outside of Westport that they'd be the um, 
on the undefeated team. But you beat Trinity Catholic. You win at Danbury, who was previously undefeated and ranked last week at nine, number nine. Um, they're very good. Uh, apparently, I mean, Thaw and these they got seniors who believe, and they got seen, and that's their again. They've have experience of going up in a, against balanced league teams in that league. I mean, you're playing Ludlow, you're playing Trinity Catholic, you're playing Trumbull. It, you get better. I mean, just, you just don't. There's no to me still even with Staples. There's no favorite because you still got to go on the road and win. But to beat Trinity Catholic, we all touted, we the media, as the preseason favorite and some coaches, that's a good job by them. And obviously, the, the last he had mentioned, Colin, the last time they started that, well, it was 6-0 in 2009. I don't really remember it. I mean, I'm sure they were getting votes. But again, I, I don't recall them ever Jason being Kirk, Was that a Jason Kirk team? Or I was going to ask you a trivia question for you guy. I was <laughs> going to say, do you know the last who he replaced? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jason Kirk, who yeah, I, I saw like, last night play yeah, lose his first Academy, game at Cigar Academy. That's back when they had Jason Bauman. Uh, went on to play Ivy League ball, uh, Columbia, I believe. Yeah, Jason and and Staples and even Con, they've had their like I said, they've had their moments. But I mean, when you're you're, I mean, it's one thing to say that they're undefeated in the FCAC, but they haven't played anybody yet. But it's another thing to say say you knock off Danbury and Trinity, which are two of the you know best teams in recent seasons. Yes, absolutely, they've done a nice job. Um, so that's impressive, you know. And again, if you don't know the FCAC, the FCAC everybody plays everybody once. It's not like the SEC. Well, the which, where they don't play everybody. The SEC has its arcane, like it tries to be like the NFL, which is not. You know, I like the idea of playing everybody in your in your conference. I, I, listen, I used to say that. Unfortunately, I don't think they are able to do that now. No, the, the leagues big. are way too big. Yeah, so. I would like to see a little bit. I, I the SEC, again, not to get into all this, but I would prefer the SEC only do two divisions, and then you know you maybe cross over with maybe half the other side. Um, and then you do that by ranking. This four division stuff is just for the birds. But as as we said, and we're going to be getting to the next, taking a break in a minute because uh, we're going to have John Carroll in the studio. Um, but any other surprises but, around well, this? Well, so well, 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 go, go ahead. Go. I, I think, again, you don't know how good you are until you can win a couple games on the road. And they've been able to do that so far, but you got to go to Trumbull on Friday night. So we'll see if Staples is still there because if they lose, they're going to probably drop out. And, and I obviously, it's obviously the voters feel they should have FCAC representation because you're undefeating the FCAC. It means you're doing something right. And uh, and right now, Staples is the team. I'm curious now how they're going to respond to that. Um, to answer your question really quickly, any surprises? Normally, Northwest Catholic is right on the outskirts. They're very good. Obviously, the one loss is to uh, East Catholic. Holy Cross. On the Oscars, they have a chance to not end the streak. We'll get into that more with John Carroll. Naugatuck, we've already talked about. Fitch is the other team in the ECC besides uh, NFA. Yeah, and they don't play each other until February, but at least they play each other. NFA's so, getting a little cocky out there. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, they knock off Wat- Waterford. Listen, like we said last week, Waterford's not Waterford no, and they of beat previous them, years. They beat them twice, Hanley, in the nine-day stretch. NFA is the team to beat. Yeah, they got right the student now. sections. They, they got they've they've turned uh, NFA has turned Mike Mike Demoro into a believer. Mike Demoro from the day who's like, hey, the NFA student section is all fired up. They got them fired up at NFA. Hey, this they're very good in the ECC. Well, I mean, I I, I will see how come March about Division One. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, hear listen, that NFA? No, we'll see. I mean, listen. Right. I mean, it's 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 a it's it's a minefield to get to Division One. Oh, absolutely. It's a minefield. I don't care who you are. I don't care how great you are. So anyway, uh, when, when we come back, we're going to have Sacred Heart Coach John Carroll in studio. Welcome back to the Courtside with Joe Morelli podcast. And sitting right next to me, 
Nice one to come in from Waterbury, where they had what exam early this morning. Exams this morning. Yep. John Carroll, head coach of Sacred Heart, uh, owner of the 111 consecutive game winning streak in the NBL. Last loss was 2014. We were all a lot younger then, John. Amen. And I know, obviously, you have to have players and have to have success and guys who want to win. But why are you even stunned by oh. how long? It it's really kind of when mind, you sit down and think about it. When I, you, I try not to. Do you really? Is yeah, it, I do. Um, I think about relatively my like my kids' ages. You know, they're eighteen, sixteen, and thirteen. So you know, it's subtract six, and that's it's a long time. It's you know, it doesn't yeah. happen, and it probably shouldn't have happened. We've gotten a few bounces that that have gone our way, and right. Um, every day is a new day, and you try and and, and keep keep winning um but it's to put it to string along like that has been you know just amazing i took a look at it ahead of time mm-hmm. uh, and i wrote about it for today and you can read about it on gametimect.com last loss was the 2014 nbl tournament final against crosby against crosby mustafa heron did not play in that game mm-hmm. if i remember correctly i was not there um and again in the in the next regular season which was mustafa's junior year Closest game was 16 points. The following year, closest regular season game in 2015-16 was 12 points. That was just a dominant, great team um, led by Mustafa Heron, who's now at St. John's in his senior year already. It's amazing how time flies. Um, and I mentioned the one year, you probably remember the stretch, that early February where they went to overtime with Wilby yep. and beat Holy Cross by two in within a three-day stretch. Do you remember that those particular game? I mean, I, when they I remember not shooting the ball particularly well up at Wilby, right? Um, and they were very athletic. And I also remember we were actually down fifteen points in the middle of the fourth to Holy Cross. Wow! Um, and that was one of the games where we we had to have you know some some lucky breaks, and um, we actually drew on that the the following year up at Hartford against Windsor. I kind of looked at the guys and said, "Well, we've done this before." So it's not impossible, but a lot of stuff has to go our way. And the, the game John was referring to at the University of Hartford in the Division One semifinals, when Windsor had the game in hand, and Raheem and uh, Gator pulled you guys out of the fire. I believe you were down 12, 14 with 220 left. I, I, that number's – Yeah, that's close. Yeah. And, and you won in regulation. Yep, from the free throw line. And I'm sure Kenny Smith hasn't forgotten that. I'm sure he hasn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, that year, the, the closest game – in 2018, well, in the regular season, was losing was like a Waterbury career, 68-66 at Alumni Hall. They had a shot to win it and missed. Right. Yep. And I'm sure you could see all these in your mind's oh, eye, yeah. and you think maybe sometimes they go in. And obviously, Crosby last year was the closest game, amazing that you played in in the regular season, losing by six at Crosby, and then we were back there again uh, last Friday, and they lost by 11. And uh, it, do you feel blessed? Uh, but what's what's the word you look when people do people talk to you about it and people do people know I'm sure people know about it. do they know the number and does it come up no, outside of Sacred Heart or not really not I don't really hear it a lot in conversation um, are I, people tired of it I I, I don't know <laughs> I, that's what I would think if you don't talk I don't know I just no I I I kind of I like to to keep the kids um, kind of separate from you know from the the streak, if, if that's what we can call it, um, I like to keep them, you know, grounded and understand that this is a new season and these are the tasks ahead of them, and um, we'll 
note it and say this is something that you're a part of that you've kind of come into um, you know and there's a level of, of we talk about level of effort um, it's not necessarily about outcome obviously you know we're all competitive and, and want right. to win and um, we've been fortunate to, to do a, a lot of that um, and as long as the kids are, are, are maintaining that level of effort that that we we require in practice and and that um, we hope is reflected in, in our right. intensity in the game then you know if we're doing things the right way then, then I'm happy with them Crosby game we were t- Sean and I were talking about in the opening segment uh, about how um, Lorenzo Washington mm-hmm. everything was at the basket or at the free throw line there were no three points I mean very rarely do you see 38 points with no threes and uh, as you pointed out in the post-game interviews on Friday, I mean, he is just as much of a terror, if not more so, on the defensive end of the floor. For a kid with, with that kind of speed and that kind of talent to play both ends of the floor is a lot of fun to watch. Um, and he's a competitor, and and he shares the ball, too. So it's not like it was 38 and he wasn't looking for other guys. Um, you right. know, he found Connor for a dunk. He found um, Trey for a three. I mean, he, he has assists. He really fills up a stat sheet. Um, and at five foot eight really is, you know, puts his mark on a game fairly quickly. Mention some of the other guys, I mean, Samson and Tierney, and how mm-hmm. how their roles are going to be defined as we move along in the season, if they aren't already, as far as uh, being able to try to win another league championship. Yeah, so at this point, we start four juniors and a sophomore. Right. Um, the, That's scary for the NBL, <laughs> sorry. The guys like, uh, you know, Connor and, and Caleb, uh, they've been there for a couple of years and Lorenzo came in, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're still kind of finding, finding their roles. They all played and they all started games last year because of, you know, different situations and scenarios. Um, but we have kind of this inexperienced experience. So they're all kind of developing together and, and trying to figure out, you know, how each other plays and, you know, where the right spots are. And we're trying to help them with that. And, you know, we obviously transition is our thing. Uh, we want to push the ball and, and, you know, make the other team defend us for 94 feet uh, and if we can knock down some open shots and, and play D we're going to be in games yeah we were talking about that that I honestly don't think the NBL some teams don't play a lot of defense and that's why you see all these high points but I said Sacred Heart does because you have to if you're going to win a state championship you have to play some sums of defense you mean you have Charles Fisher you have Washington mm-hmm. you have guys who can in the half court set and that's where you have to earn your bread, so to speak. I mean, you can score all the points you want, but if you don't play any defense, you're going to be in the same boat with everybody else. Yeah. Not- I've always had the opinion that you can win basketball games two ways. You can score more than the other guy, or you can make them score less than you. And the really good teams do both. And that's it's, it's not really, it's not a magical recipe. <laughs> How do you see the – well, first of all, I, if not, I again, we mentioned this, I, I'm not looking at anything. I don't think you played Nuggets until February 21st. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you see – the contenders in the MVL beside yourself? Um, you know, I, I think because of the, the individual scores that we have in the league, there are guys that can put up a big number on any night. Um, so I think it's it's more wide open than, you know, than the usual cast of characters, but I think you got to talk about Crosby. Um, I think they, they didn't have a great shooting night against us. And I think Nagy is interesting. I think they got a, a mix of uh, senior leadership and, and some sophomore talent. Um, that I've seen them a couple times now, and and I like them. Well, you mentioned Notre Dame. Uh, we we were talking about Notre Dame. I'm sorry. Before the uh, we 
we get went on the air. We're mm-hmm. just talking about uh, different ways you can scout and uh, and Notre Dame put a whooping on Holy Cross. And Holy Cross, you're going to Holy Cross Wednesday, which has never been an easy place to play. Going back right. to the Edmund Saunders days, back when they were in their heyday. I mean, Sean Bowley, we can tell you about those days. Before I was covering basketball, I used to go watch when they played Sacred Heart and. I forget it was Sacred Heart Kid, but they, the kid went to UMass. His name is Ron Al Blizzard. Yeah, you go. And they yep. used to go one-on-one. It was incredible. And then buildings were sold out. Um, what are you expecting on Wednesday at Holy Cross? I'm, I'm expecting the, hopefully the same kind of environment. The uh, the athletic directors got together and said, they're actually doing me a favor because my daughter plays for the girls' team. So we're doing a guys-girls doubleheader. Oh, really? Okay, so good. The girls will be at 515. We'll be at 7. Doing hopefully. a favor for you? Isn't that nah, nice? I, you know, so that happens when you're we, around a long enough we're time? Not, we're not the Hatfields and the McCoys. We actually get along. Um <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, uh, I think the younger audience may not know who the about the Hatfields well, just Google it right. guys this is a podcast Hat, yeah, yeah. Hat, Hatfields and McCoys I'm yes Google it kids yes yeah. yes um, so you get to enjoy the are you but are you going to be able to enjoy the girls game I think so you know I, I, I are you going like, to do all your scouting all your stuff before so you can sit and watch for like so a half hour actually the um, our girls played Waterbury career last night okay. so I sent Jay to go see the Crosby Holy Cross game so we got our scouting done. I got to see my daughter play. It all worked out. So when you, when you have these individual scores, like um, his name is Evans, is it? Achilles. Yep. Achilles. I, I saw him briefly against Stanford. I didn't see the game when they got destroyed by Notre Dame. But what I mean, I'm not looking for a scouting report, but what do you have to do to try to – is it the others you have to worry about or is it him? No, they, they have a they have a, a good group of guards. Um, they're really, really good from uh, from about 20 feet. Yep. Um, so I think it's it's about contesting. Uh, obviously, you know, putting them in in spots they're not used to being, uh, maybe some ball pressure. Uh, but again, very capable scorers. Uh, gave East, Akili gave East Catholic fits last year in the I think it was the quarterfinals. Um, so very capable players and tough place to play. So we're uh, we're gonna prep for it. At what point, if you haven't already, do you start prepping for Division One? Do you start checking out the landscape? Yeah, so it's it's always kind of it's always looming there. Um, you don't want to get too far into the season without you know taking a peek, um, you know. But at at the same time, and I don't know if if the other guys do it the same way. Like you want to make sure that that you're ready. So you go out and and you scrimmage guys that, that you think are gonna mm-hmm. push your guys. So it just happens that the last couple of years uh, we've had East and Notre Dame up, and that's kind of those have been our scrimmages. Right. So not it's so early in the season. It's not like you're you're keeping the tape and you know, kind of logging it into memory. Um, but you know that, that, you know, those types of teams are, are the ones that you're going to go and take a second look at, you know, end of January, early uh, early February. Your non-conference schedule, I believe two games. Um, no name of fair for you playing in the Pitt Center at Sacred Heart on Saturday, 4 o'clock, weather permitting. Hopefully you guys yep. get it in. And, um, and then obviously a program that's had a great tradition. We've had Reggie on last year and – Weaver's 0-7, and, 7, and uh, I know they lost to ba- at Bassick, and I know you can't control what your other opponents do, and you'd like to have teams mm-hmm. with better records or better seasons, and obviously when you decide – first of all, how do you deci- decide on these two teams versus the New York teams you played in the past, and, and do you wish you had scheduled otherwise, I guess? No, no I, you know, I, I think that you, know, you make a commitment and you stick to it. Um, you know, I, I went to see Weaver and Naugatuck. That was a five-point game. Um, right at New Britain wasn't it at New, New Britain's, Britain's holiday yeah. tournament yeah. New Britain's holiday tournament right and they ended the game with uh, with four guys on the floor yeah I heard about th- w- yeah. what, what what exactly w- so sickness and it happened to, to Nick up at Crosby you know that 
they're in layup lines and then they got six. Um, one guy fouls out. Um, and I think Reggie had a discipline issue and, you know, good for him. Sent, sent a kid to the locker room. Um, so that's at the end of it. They were, it was five that's, on four. Right. Um, so you obviously are saying that they're better than their record. Do you, I would are you hoping that they have a, <laughs> a, a, a win by the time they get you? <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't want to be number one there. No. Um, you know, I, I just, I think that you go out and you try and play teams that are, are going to push your, your team. And that's what we've always tried to do. I like playing at, at the pit center. We've been able to play right in some pretty neat places. You yes. Know, been up at Trinity. We've been down to Baruch. We've been to Springfield. Bridgeport. Uh, Bridgeport has been fantastic. Yeah, when they had the when they had they used to have the MLK Classic. Yeah. Yep. So giving the kids the opportunity to, to play in an arena or collegiate type of environment, I think, has always been a lot of fun. Um, I we I, I wrote something earlier in December, and I'm, I know you were aware about that. The CIC is going to um, have these summer showcase. At mm-hmm. least they're they're in the process of trying to have one. Whereas last year, everybody kind of was on the sidelines. A lot of Governing bodies trying to figure out what was happening last year. The Hamden Hall hosted one, and the only Knapsack kids. And UConn was one of four universities across the country. They were the East Region representative, and it was an invite only. Um, your thoughts about having CIC hosting a showcase, whatever they decide to do, I would think it has to be beneficial to kids to be get, get a look because obviously this is where it's going. What are your thoughts about yeah, that? Yeah, that's if it's the direction that that the NCAA wants to go. Take it away from the AAU, out of the AAU yep. hands. And if they're going to put it in, in right. more in the hands of, of the the high school coaches and specifically the CIAC, um, I, I think that you really got to do it in a manner that it's accessible to all the kids in the state. Um, but at the same time, you got to make sure that you're, you're talking about the the group that are, that are actually legitimate NCAA prospects. You know, So that's something that they're going to have to kick around up there. And, uh, you know, do you invite the all-league players only? Is that like a – is that a level of selection? What would you do if you were – I mean, if you were asked advice, how would – I mean, obviously they're going to charge per head. They're going to charge the coaches per head. They're going to have to have it – probably going to have it at the Floyd Little Athletic Center in New Haven. It's probably going to be the place or the Wilton Fieldhouse. Those are the only two choices, I think. And obviously they were concerned about the girls, which they're going to do – that's a whole separate issue. They're going to do a girls' one. Um, well, the, just the uh, last time I checked, there there were no girls programs under FBI investigation. I there, there's I don't think there's anything wrong <laughs> with the way. And I I coach AAU girls basketball right. in the spring when it's been so a lot you of think fun. that was a little bit. More, I, but I think it would be a knee jerk reaction to to say that the girls have this recruiting issue as well. No, they don't. I'm not saying, it, but they're going to host a showcase. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what they. All right. That's their plan. That, that, that was the whole part of their issue with last year. That. Title Nine, they were concerned, but mm. I'm not c- suggesting or was, but that's what they want to do. The CIAC. Um, okay. uh, if they asked your opinion, what would you more would you suggest? Well, I I think that you know they would be um, was in their rights to to go and and ask the guys up at UConn, the guys up at UHart, uh, the guys down at Sacred Heart, what they as college coaches want to see. You know, is it individual? Is it skills? Um, is it you know team? Do they want Sacred Heart and their 12 to come and play East Catholic and their 12? And at that point, you know, can I coach it? You know, because I, I believe that other teams in, in, in other states have that ability. Um, so are our kids losing? Like if I have to go and get um, a parent or a friend or, or somebody to coach my 12 during this evaluation process, does that hurt 
because it's it's out of system. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, those are the questions that got to get that I think have to be answered. So, what? Assuming this all is a go, and I think it's going to be, will you? Are you assuming your kids get the invite? Will you send your kids or your players if they uh, want? absolutely? Yeah, yep. no, I think you have to. Yeah, to get some exposure because, like you said, they're all juniors and well, all juniors. Juniors, sophomores. This yeah. is like their prime time recruiting well, that's, coming. That's the question is, are, are seniors eligible? I mean, at that point, the seniors who are unsigned probably should be able to go. Absolutely. Um, we're entering the third year of the current format of the state tournament. Um, there's been a lot of debate. It's a transparent formula. Obviously, it's, for those who don't know, the uh, you it starts with enrollment, I believe, and then you get moved up based on certain criteria. If you are a team like John's is uh, Sacred Heart, I could draw from more than more than one town or several towns. You get bumped up based on your uh, a tournament modifier, success, success tournament modifier, and it only applies to the schools of choice, quote unquote, versus the schools that are single enrollment. Obviously, Waterford State isn't it like the it's the uh, John Carroll rule. The, the John Carroll tournament. And the, the, well, I think them, and, I, I think them and, Tr- and Trinity Catholic was the kind Trinity of was the other one. Was, Trinity, right. I, I know you've had your thoughts on this. By the way, John, just full full uh, full, full disclosure. Disclosure. I was the guy who was sitting courtside for the Valley game, and I'm like, well, congratulations, Valley, for the state <laughs> championship for the small schools. So, so full, yeah, full no, disclosure. What do you ask? I mean, what do you think of the format, and how do you think it should be altered? If, if so, um, you know, I. I feel like the, you know, the the only thing that really should be addressed is the is the the VOAG multiplier. I don't I don't find I feel like there's an Excel file. You know, you can throw an extra column there. I don't I don't think it needs. They don't need to be painted with the same brushes as um, the Lavin Hall, Trumbull, yeah, certain other schools. Absolutely. Or, you know, in in our area, it's been Wimogo. You know, and, and oh yeah, well, they they got know, they got hammered. Yes, Greg's done a great job. He's had a bunch of talent, and you know, unfortunately, this is. Um, they went to three and yeah yeah it's unfortunate for him um you know i i think that five may be a lot but you know i don't really have i don't have i don't have a pile of issues with it you know if this is you know the direction that that they want to go and and there's a transparent formula for it great i, I read an article the other day that our friends to the north um i got emailed it from joe Tikotsky. um our friends to the north in massachusetts are actually going to allow their divisions be dictated by max preps they, uh, they've uh, been gone through the, the same rigmarole and and issues with uh balance and um divisions and so how is that going to work how, they just rank them by the, the by the division by what their power rankings are right 32 32 32 32 until you get right here's the problem with that with me at least um i don't i don't like how it's like I don't know. I don't like. I like to know, and I'm sure a Coach would like to know where they are before the season starts. Mm-hmm. They which gotta is know where, what they want, which is where we which is do right. We we do do that. We didn't do that, before, you know, back in the Division One, whatever Division Two days. But I also don't like this. Uh, I don't like. I don't know. I I don't like the way it's. <laughs> you don't like the five. I know that. I hate the five because I don't think there's five divisions in the state. I think it's state small enough. Mm-hmm. I now think you're watering down a bunch. I mean, I think Division One's great. Division Two pretty, is pretty good. But after that, it's like, what's the difference? But I think part of it was, if if I'm wrong, please step in, John. Um, 
they're trying to give the small public schools an opportunity, and that's kind of why they did it, to try and move all the Catholic and the parochials and the VOAGs and the schools up and, and, the, and the magnet schools, and that's what they're trying to accomplish. People weren't happy that innovation won last year, but what had innovation done previously? Nothing. So I didn't have as much of a problem with adults. But anyway, I, that's what I think they tried to accomplish, and I think they, to some extent, have had success with it. No, I, I agree. Okay. Um, you know, the, it's given, obviously, more opportunities, which has been a good thing. Um, is it a perfect system? No. No. You know, for for example, kind of going through the Division One rankings um, over the weekend, you know, the, the teams in Division One have already lost close to 60 games, as opposed to wow, shortly over 100 last year. So, you know, from year to year, you think you have the 21 top teams, and then eh, maybe you don't. So if you don't, where are those other teams? Well, they're sitting in Division Two and Division Three. It's twenty-four now. Is it twenty-four now? I, I think it's. Maybe. I think there's more teams in Division okay. One this year. I think there are. It's still but anyway, go ahead. but still, that's a lot of losses. Um, so if you had a, the magic one, what would, I, what would you, you you would adjust the VOAG? You said so. I would adjust that, and I I would I would do thirty-two. 32 in, in the divisions. I you know. So you think that what the girls doing is right? Yeah. 150 I, teams in the tournament, and you have teams with three wins, and which I think is ridiculous. So Sorry. If, the division one teams. You know, if you're a, a basically a one through seven seed, eight seed maybe, mm-hmm. you're getting a first round bye. Yes. Just because there's a shortage of teams there. Yes. That doesn't help you. No, it doesn't. And people would like to play. Right. That's kind of. I think was, Tim Coase was like, I want to play a game. And that's kind of why. But. Do you see the other side of it? Five, four, and three wins. Why should they be rewarded a game in the state tournament? Right, but Division One, you're in regardless. But that's Division they One. Should. But that's just Division One in boys basketball. The rest of them, that that I agree with too. Like if if you're three and seventeen and you're rolling into nineteen and one, twenty and zero. Yeah. What 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 does that? What purpose Why? does that serve, Tim? I say Tim because I know that's how he feels, and I know that's he's on the committee, and I, I'm not singling Tim out. And I just there are coaches who obviously the committee felt that way, and I just don't think it's going to work we'll see i i just i don't i don't you, you, i don't you like teams the, with six wins five wins in already i don't the like girls, the, I, the girls here, here's, i'm talking to girls here's tournament. how you fix that you just get rid of the five, you don't need a fifth division balance it all out and then you have your teams and maybe they eventually that's what they'll do i mean you know there the other thing is like i guess the what about the teams like I don't know? I'm gonna throw West Haven in there for example. West Haven sitting in there like, why do we got to deal with all these te- all these Division One teams? You know, <laughs> you know, we're double L, but we gotta have we gotta deal with all these D one teams. What you know? Why? So I I don't know. I always think it should be. But I believe they're in. More. I'm not sure. I think they're in two. I think they might be. But you know, I mean, I mean, there's always that like, I don't know. I don't have the divisions in front of me. No, I don't either. <laughs> Which is why I'm like, but. I like the I like the idea of having a power, you know, here's our best programs, let's see them play each other. Hill House playing a Sacred Heart, Hill House playing a Windsor, get them all into the same thing. My only problem is that now your regular seasons are all completely detached from your state tournaments. You're not playing these teams in the regular season, really. And there's no like you know, you're just kind of going based on your record, based against your league. I think, you know, this is the same thing with football. I think the leagues are completely outdated and they need to be completely rearranged as much as, like, it's been nice for the last hundred years or whatever it is. But, like, it's just, you know, it's kind of like a – seems pointless to me. No, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you there, okay. being a, a former athletic director and, and president of the, of the NBL. Like, you have rivalries that go back 
piles of years. So you're not competing for a state championship every year. You're not competing for a league championship every year. But you know those those games in particular, and it's not just in football. It's in baseball. It's in basketball. It's in soccer. Right. Those those rivalries have developed, and and for those communities, those are great games. You know they're they're um, you know community events. Um, and again, the the championships are important. Um, but and I've said it a couple times. You know, the high school sports was not created for public entertainment. Right. You yeah. Know, no, there, absolutely. There are other reasons for it. It's a great point. Um, John I mean, and um, Tom Brockett from Ansonia says the same thing. He's like, you know, Ansonia football coach for those who don't. Right. Right. Yeah. And Tom Brockett, so Ansonia football and, and the AD there. He's yeah. and the his, his big thing because now everyone, there is a push as you see with Al Carbone and changing all the you know having all these out of league games and out of league teams playing each other and. Tom's point was like, you know, a lot of my kids, I don't even know where half these schools are. And even Scott Benoit was saying the same thing. I think this is the point you were making, John. Um, when they play Woodland, though, everyone knows Woodland because mm-hmm. it's right next door. So there's something to be said about that. There's something to be said about those rivalries. Yes. But does, is there a point where it just completely outgrows? I don't know. I don't have the answer. I honestly don't have the answer. Do you, How much do you like the competition of the Division One tournament? I like it. I do. Um, and – you know, you get to see some of those games in the regular season, like the the Hill House Windsor thing the other right. day. Yep. Um, but they are, uh, you know, traditionally very strong schools, and, and that's um, it's always exciting for the kids to play. You know, in those venues, they got they've gotten some some pretty nice places for for the kids to play in those games. Um, and as coaches, you're going up against, you know, like Kenny, who's been there forever and right. experience, and and. You know, the uh, you go down the list of guys in Division One, and they're they're guys that you respect and you think do a good job, and you know it's a chess match. It's it's fun. Is there a sense of um, uh, I don't know what the right word is. I mean, Sacred Heart going out in the quarterfinals is something that hasn't happened in how many years? A few, six. <laughs> I mean, you won, you won it in fourteen. 13, you didn't make the tournament, right? Correct. The year before Mustafa was yep. there. So so that was the last time. And then you so – you, so that was the last time you didn't even win in the tournament. Is there a sense for the kids who are back since they're most of them are that yeah, we I, want to do I better and it, win the whole thing? I think it was a, a good lesson for, for, the, for the guys. You know, you got to play four quarters, um, getting outscored. And I think about it, so I know it. Getting outscored 22-7 to seven in the fourth quarter doesn't win you basketball games. You know, it's a quick turnaround. Um, so being able to compete and, and maintain focus for for four quarters, you know, every pass is important, every screen is important, every catch is important. Those are the things that we try and, and focus on in practice, and it stems from those final eight minutes sitting there in, uh, against Trumbull. It sounds like just from our discussion with the streak and everything, and I, I, I hear this from other coaches, that you remember the near misses, meaning – the near misses for other teams and the losses and the sh- stretches of games more so than enjoy the wins. Is that true or no as a coach? Because you just, those are, I'm not, it seems like coaches remember those certain things. Well, we should have done better here. You remember, you remember the 22 to seven run. You remember how these games went down against Wilby and, and this, and just like well, we are, and I should have picked this kid over this. I re- you remember those things more than you enjoy the success. Oh, this worked out. No, I, I do. How, do you enjoy? Are you able to enjoy it, or is it the loss that haunt you more, or the near misses? Like, well, 
I, I forget the word. I, I'm, I, yeah. I'm, no, for I, lack of a I, better I know word. What you mean. It's it's a lot easier to talk about the you know the the near misses. Um, you know, I I feel like one of my favorite seasons. Um, you know, Raheem is a warrior in the NVL tournament and is playing. You know, basically the fourth quarter on a on a torn meniscus. Um, oh, that's right. Wills us to a win there, and then has has surgery. Um, you know, half a week later. Um, so he's and he out. won it without, and he won and the tournament title without. Yeah, us. and you know what? Like the rotation shortened, the guys bought in. You know, and and everybody had kind of mailed it in and counted us out, and hey, great great run, guys. Um, but those guys really came together, and, and that was, you know, that was extra scouting by my assistants. It was buy-in from the kids. It was support from Raheem, who was hurt, but you know, became our biggest cheerleader. Um, that was the Class L State Championship when he beat Norma Fairfield. Yep, the second time in a row. Right. That was so Chris Watts' first year, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that you know that run, those memories, um, you know, Christ the King. Going up to Springfield and and beating Christ the King with Raleigh Alkins and you know that pile of talent and, and, mm-hmm. and it's a, we're this little team from Waterbury and they're their New York powerhouse and um, you know to come out of that w- just to play him was was a lot of fun it was very cool you know it's a story you get to tell your grandkids and then to actually win um, and that's a different level so you're able to enjoy them you oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's, you know it, it's it's a game so if it's not fun anymore you probably shouldn't do it. As a coach, if you're not nervous before, it's probably time to pack it in. You know, it's like, again, it's got to be bigger than the the wins and the losses. And it's easy for me to say because there's at this point there's a lot more wins than there are losses. Um, but you're giving kids opportunities to play. Um, and it's, you know, for me, it's practice. I love practices. Our practices are fun. And we, we run, I've got 22 kids total program, JV University. And if you ever walked into our practices, you'd see all of them running up and down in waves and it's absolute chaos and i love it they're all competing from the you know from the best kid to the number 22 kid because uh when it really comes down to what we're discussing about this and this should be like this and this team should be here it really comes down to the competition what you the enjoyment of the day-to-day stuff that people don't talk about and the, the practices and and that's what makes you who you are the stuff that uh, i mean the media i'm not a coach i never have been never will be probably and i don't understand or appreciate unless you go to a sitting in a practice but that's what as coach has been there what how many years 15 15 as a head coach 19 altogether yeah is it a better appreciation for those practices now than it was then yeah i, I think that you know that as you, you grow as a coach you find things that work you find things that, that don't um and and you evolve i think when when i first started you know i went to and my high school experience was a, a small prep school, and I played up at Tufts, which is, you know, NESCAC basketball, Division Three. Still very good. Very good basketball, um, but it's not like a, a run and gun type of no. type of thing. Um, so you know, I was Hoosiers run the picket fence. You know, this is <laughs> you know X's and O's, and right. you know, then I, I get um, you know I get the job at at the head job at Sacred Heart, and I'm like I got to adjust this a little bit. You know, right. This is I can't you know put square pegs round holes I, I i need to adjust so you know that's it's kind of what happens you know you, you evolve and you know sometimes it's loose and it's not pretty but the kids like playing fast and they like playing up and down and um you know and i enjoy watching them and there was a stretch in between the turner years and the mustafa heron era that you well a couple years you didn't make the state tournament correct didn't. people no, might had, have forgotten about we that. we had a, a rash of transfers and and one one hurt 
Um, so we were we were lean. And then you know guys like Malik and Tyron were freshmen and sophomores and right. building. So that you know is as difficult as it was to to get beaten fairly regularly. Um, you know you could see that that there was some potential there, and it wasn't going to be long before we were able to compete again the way we wanted to. As a coach at at one of the schools of choice, so to speak, I'm, and a school that's done very well. A lot of kids, a lot of kids, even from out of state, gravitate. They're like, I mean, you get, I'm sure you get a lot of guys, you know, uh, fathers or AAU coach, like, hey, we'd love to go there. And maybe they, maybe a bunch of kids, it seems like. But how do you, you know, it, it's such a, you know, a way it's, you get a bunch of guys one year and then maybe they transfer out. I mean, you, you're, you have a, your teams could be so different from year to year. Now, how do you... I'm sure a lot of people are crying for you, <laughs> but how do you navigate that? How do you navigate? Because there's a lot of guys out there. Listen, a lot of kids who want the best situation for themselves. There's just so much fluidity and so much, you know, so much of that going on. Transfers, kid can leave. You know, how do you? How do you? And that's something I'm fascinated with. How does How does a coach deal with that or a program deal with we've, that? We've We've had to deal with that that too. You know, we we uh, we have Mikey West on that championship team as as a sophomore. Went to, went to Holy Cross, and he right? goes to Holy Cross. Um, you know, I I've always been of the opinion that you know once you're once you're in the building, you know you're you're one of my kids, so you can right. go somewhere else. You know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old kids, and the kids and their parents are going to make the best choice for for them, and I'd never begrudge them that. Um, so, a lot of those kids who who have left, um, you know, come back, and I still maintain what I think is good relationships with them. Um, and dealing with it as a as a coach. Um, I think it's easier for us just because we've had you know, some continuity in terms of myself and my staff. Yeah. You know, Jay has been with me for for 15 years, and before that was um, Daryl Parker for 13, and now Julian uh, Sanders, who's a New Haven guy. I figured maybe you guys would like that. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> you know, it really provides you know a, a very strong level of stability, and um, I think that. Running the same drills, having the same focus, um, the kids who come in as freshmen and, and sophomores really make themselves very good basketball players by the time they're seniors. I, I take um, two years ago, Raheem and Isaiah are seniors, and we had a rotation of, of seven kids. Three of those hadn't seen a meaningful minute of varsity basketball till they were seniors. They were a, a joke. It was you know we have Raheem, Isaiah, and the varsity mm-hmm. soccer team. Um, but three of those kids came in and, you know, they had played against Staff, they had played against Ty, um, and, you know, they get run up and down the court ragged by them. So by the time they actually stepped on the court, they weren't going to be intimidated by anybody. And, you know, those years of experience had actually served them fairly well, and they became very good high school basketball players. Are there too many people in these kids' ears? I mean, are there too many, you know, extra I – mean, again, you don't want to discount – that they have to find the right opportunity for themselves. I mean, school is very important. So that's like, I just get worried about half these kids. Just They're just making moves, jumping all over from this school to that school. And sometimes to the detriment. Reclassifying. Right, right. There's re, going to prep schools or going here. That mm-hmm. They can't seem to find their footing. There's something always wrong with wherever the situation is. Now, I don't want to begrudge anybody for, for trying to find the right decision. But is there a point where some of these parents and or AAU coaches who might have these kids' ears, is there a point where they just you gotta say like, look, you gotta stop, you gotta, you know, I, I don't know how do you that, again. That's another thing for me. I, yeah, I don't know I, how you deal with that. Sometimes the the message is is a difficult one that, you know, you can't 
nine times out of ten, you can't manufacture yourself or, or package yourself and, and create a situation where you become a scholarship athlete. Um, you know, and kids can be tireless workers and do absolutely everything right, but they're not six eight and, and two twenty and, and right. with measurables like that. Um, you know, that that being said, you know, the the AAU season is expansive and you know it's actually quite opposite of, of the high school season high school you play twice a week and you practice four aau you're practicing twice and then you play four on the weekend right um you know does does that hurt sometimes maybe um i think that specialization and you know the kids are in the weight room and there are guys who are, are training them and there's constant skill work and so i, I think you're getting better individual basketball players that I don't think necessarily translates all the time onto the court when you get them in five-on-five five situations. Now, that's just fascinating to me, that whole culture. I'm completely oblivious to it, but just as an outsider looking at it, you know, you see guys just hopping all over from school to school. And you're like, well, he's not there now, and, you know, how do you guys deal with that? And it just yeah, seems... That's, you know, life imitates art, and I, th- I think that, um, you know, it's, it's what people see at higher levels you know you see the mega teams in the nba you see right. you know ncaa That's transfers great, great and, and so on and so forth it's like oh this is the way that it's done and it trickles down and you see it now in, in middle school um and yep. is it right is it wrong <laughs> I, mean, middle school. <laughs> I, I think they call it trying to maximize their potential and their what whatever you want to call it and that's why they think this reclassifying which is a window uh, of allowing them to do that versus a post-grad year and given the opportunity to do it now versus then, um, although Notre Dame Prep is trying to offset that, so mm-hmm. it's basically it's just it's, it's. I think it's all keeping up with the Joneses. I think it's 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 crazy. It's and it's watered down the CIC product. It's, there's no question right. about where, it. Which where is are we, John? Where are we in the CICs? Like you know, I mean, and I I hate to say this every because I feel like I say this every year about every season. Oh, it's down. It's down. It's down. Um, but I'm looking back at like you know the mid 2000s when it was uh, the best basketball I've seen. I mean, again, some of the old timers probably go like, "You weren't here for the '80s, kid." You know, you know what I mean. That. So like, you know, I, and I know, and I know that having covered Bridge, Bridgeport hoops, you know, I'm like, "This is great." And they're like, y- y- "This is nothing." You know, you weren't here for this stuff. Um, but uh, you know, where are we at the CIC level? Where you know, what's yeah, the competition I, like? So I I feel that it's it's always been the prep schools. Um, the CIC has always had, had very good talent. Um, I just I feel like for whatever reason in the last 15, 20 years, people have become more cognizant of, of, of the existence of your Thomas Moores. Um, you know, you, you go back to the early 2000s, the little South Kent prep up there in the northwest corner has 150 boys and 10 scholarship basketball players. Right. Right, really. So, you know, right. if you were looking or, you know, if you were looking for um, – you know, a really good high school basketball game, you would go see them against Bridgeton Academy from Maine. Right. Um, and you would see what you see at, at that Saturday, Sunday, Monday at, at the Hoop Hall Classic. Right. Um, so that's, you know, Connecticut basketball has always had high-level basketball players. The, the higher concentration has been and, I, and probably, you know, always will be at, at, at the boarding schools. Right, but a lot of those guys aren't from Connecticut. True. That's the other thing. True. I mean, there are Connecticut kids there, no doubt. Like, mm-hmm. Tremont Waters went up there. South Kent, and, right, and, if I remember. And a whole other ball of wax is the fact that CIC is the latest starting date, I believe, in the country, December 5th, and then, and being a lack of being able to spend time with your players in the summertime. I'm sure 
that factors that three month period when they can start practicing at prep school in September or August versus December fifth. That's a huge factor that they just you yeah, can't you can't. And you I, did, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure every uh, he'll say it, but I'm sure every coach will say they want to spend more time with their kids, and that would might help <laughs> matters. So I actually I I got my start at a small boarding school up up in that area up in Kent. Um, well, you just said it. you said it the Marlwood School. Okay, right. Um, and it was. You know, I'm 22, 23 years old. I want to get my hands dirty, and it's great. And you have the opportunity to do that up there. You know, you're you're seeing the kids in the dining hall. You have them. There's study hall. There's a pile of dead time. So, you know, if you wanted to grab a kid and work one-on-one, you can do it. You, know? you can't do that. <laughs> oh, you get in trouble for that stuff. <laughs> for those who, yeah. So, um, what, what do you think? For those? Should, they, should we go, like, I mean, Rhode Island's done it? So, the, the way that... Um, and again, this is drawing from you know my AAU experience with with the girls this spring. We had a, we had scrimmaged a team from Maine, and it was a high school team. And the guy who was coaching it explained to me that it's basically a free for all in the summer. Like you can practice mm-hmm. with your teams, and and the individual coaches get together and say, okay, we're going to do you know Monday, Tuesday will be myself as as the basketball coach, and then you know at the end of the week, you know the girls play soccer, and they kind of get together and, and organize it that way. But they can actually work with, you know, from the time that school ends to the time that school starts. It's free game. Here was a point my friend of mine who coaches football down in Long Island is saying. It's like, yeah, if, if you want me to do that, pay me. If you want me to, to and then, but there are other coaches who are, they're going to go, I, I want to win state championship. I want to get this thing. I don't care what it takes. I, if I don't, if, if I have to divvy out my stipend. But, he, but there was the other side of saying, if you want me coaching off season, you gotta pay me because I mean I'm not giving my time out for free. So okay. you have two. So if, if you're a parent mm-hmm. and you have the opportunity to send your child to a school with Coach A who says pay me and Coach B who says I'm want to get my hands dirty, I want to win, yeah. you know, and Coach work with B your kid. wins every time yeah. and twice every on Sunday, right? Yeah, which yeah. is what coaches who are on the other side will say is why you shouldn't do it because that's not fair. We're not union employees, right? No, I know, oh <laughs> I know. But my 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 point is, is that you know, if you want a level playing field, I think that's what the CIC is trying to maintain, and it just becomes more and more impossible to keep a level playing because there are probably people out there right now who are listening to this. They're like, well, you know, John recruits, so you know, <laughs> level playing field. What are you talking about? What so do you, you know how do you mean? answer that? Have everybody ever come up to you and say you recruit my kids? Stop. No, let me blatantly come to your face and said that. No, I mean, since we're bringing up the subject, I mean. I, well, that's, that's always, that's always, I, I, always, I, that's always the elephant in the room. I, I understand it's, that. It's, it's funny, and, you know, the the reality is that the middle school gyms that I've I've been in have been, you know, like to see my kids. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, to see them play. I saw Jonathan. That's yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> and it's funny because I'll get the, oh, coach, who are you looking at? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah 35. I got to feed them after the game. Yeah. <laughs> do they look at you like dumb? Fun? Oh, what are you doing here? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, what, you, what is the second hard boys coach doing here? Yeah, so it's it's not, um, you know, obviously that that undertone is is always there, uh, you know, and and you get, you know, emails and and you know Facebook messages and you know it's forwarded to the admissions director and you know you can, we can go from there after that, but you know there's there's a process. This you know, will, there's what? a process. You know, it always right. starts. It's got to start with admissions. So it's I, you know, and and I'm fortunate that I get to lean on 
my principal, who's you know on the board of directors or the the board of control of the CIAC. Isn't he the, in um, charge of the CIAC? Butch's area. Yeah. Who's in charge of the CIAC committee? Yep. I think right uh, for boys basketball. I, yeah. I believe and uh, a good man and and who's I think was pr- is pretty tough if I'm not mistaken on he, he, discipline. He can be from, he can be tough. Yeah, from what I remember from last <laughs> year, fair, fair tough. Um, but I I would actually as as a coach and a competitor you know would say that. You know the decisions he's made is kind of, you know, in my mind, have erred on the side of, of caution, kind of protecting. Right. Um, so I, you know, while the easy story is to say, oh, these guys recruit, they're in gyms, X, Y, and Z. You know, I, I really believe that we try and do it the right way. And with that, <laughs> sounds good to me. Sacred Heart coach John Carroll go for a win, consecutive win number one twelve Wednesday night at Holy Cross. They haven't lost since the MVL tournament foul in 2014. John, thanks for joining us coming in for the courtside podcast. Yeah, studio. We, we really appreciate it. I love uh, what you you've done with the you place. You and guys. Jason <laughs> Shea. What's that? I love what you've done with the place. Yeah, it's got a little yeah, like. Yeah, this is where we shoot the all area. This is where we shoot the all area all state foe. You yeah. were shot. I think you were shot in here I when you so. were yeah. our state coach of the year a couple years ago. Got a nice yeah. little couch. Yes. We just need to add the the bling to the walls, the Pete Pogwaga bling and all the jerseys. If you got an extra jersey coach, by all means, send it our way, and we'll, we'll, we'll it put down. it up on the wall, and yeah. we'll take photos of it and stuff. And we got to add that though; that's our project this uh, coming season. John, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you both. So, Joe, that was Sacred Heart coach John Carroll. We really appreciate him coming in the studio this uh, this time, and uh, that was nice. So, I thought it was very you know enlightening conversation. Yeah, you know, it's listen. There's a lot of things about Sacred Heart. I mean, they're kind of the poster boy for this whole. As we discussed, this whole movement to the, the five divisions—I mean, yeah. that and Trinity Catholic—I think it didn't sit well with a lot of people. It didn't sit well with me at the end. Um, but you know, they're in Division One now, and they're in the, with the heavy hitters. And, and listen, you've got to be at your best to win the state championship. And you know, and listen, we know, we understand as longtime sports writers and, and what we've in this business that there are teams that have an inherited advantage in Catholic parochial do have an advantage it happens in hockey it happens in football i am just not one of those people who believe that they should be in their own separate division their own separate tournament right. i'm sorry i just don't believe it. now maybe if i had played the game i would feel differently but to me you want to beat the best right. now i think the five divisions where you and i part ways a little bit i think the five division tries to let the small school public schools have a shot at it again we mentioned innovation to me, uh, yeah, to yeah. me, they were a small public. I mean, to me, they're a small school in seven years. I didn't have the same problem. You and I disagreed on New Canaan last year. That's fine, but, but what I'm trying to say is that the, the it was a chance for the big boys to play up, which is what I have been saying since before the internet. That, that all the magnets and all the programs should be an L and double L, and that's it. And people say, well, what about the VOAG? And the CIC's argument is, what about the VOAG? What about this? We get we can't just put the basketball schools up. You have to put all the schools of choice up, and I and I get that's that because they're a governing body. So basically, again, Sacred Heart is the poster boy for this. But now they're in Division One with all the heavyweights, and and that there's more teams in there. There's not 21, I believe there's 24. Again, so it, it makes for a great tournament. I think what I was getting at with him, and I really didn't didn't put it out as well as I could. And I've mentioned this a million times on this podcast, but, and I'm sure football as well. Yeah. I, I just feel like if you're playing a certain division, you should be playing in a like certain schools? playoffs. No, you should playing oh. in a certain playoff. 
like if you're at Berkshire School, if you're Wamogo, as yes. he mentioned, um, they or, be or Shoreline, three. like yeah, like you should be playing like Shoreline, Berkshire. Those are quote unquote division four. Forget five. Five is a joke. Get rid of. We don't need five divisions in the state anyway. There's a lot of people, but like the same small way you schools, do. small schools like small school conferences like Berkshire, Shoreline, those should be in a four. And then you kind of go from there. Um, like New Canaan playing in the FCAC as an L school traditionally, they should be playing in a two. I understand that's the where I'm getting I, at. I get it. And I, but but I, how do you? I guess the question is, and I think this is what you were getting at about the CIAC. You, they want they want to definitively quantify it. They want to say this is the criteria, not whereas we look at we we do the eye test or we do the. Yes, we, and they we, use a transparent formula. Right, you can they read use about a formula. Right. Yes, there's a formula. So yes. at least there is something there. I don't necessarily agree with it. That's Again, five is too many, and you know when you have a team, you have two teams, and, and a, you have a team in five, and you have a team in four. What's the difference between the two of them? Nothing. You know, unless you have some outlier like in New, New Canaan. Uh, which is again, they shouldn't be there too. But you know, we've gone over this a million times. It's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Um, I do love that the fact that Sacred Heart doesn't have to answer questions anymore about where it's playing. And that was a joke back then. I thought. I mean, and they didn't. School didn't want to move up, and that was that was the way it was. Now at least there's something in place where they have to play up. Um, well, there's a and there's, now it's, you, it's a success tournament multiplier, right? And I'm and again, that's another thing. I'm not. I don't like the success modifier because what's what's to say your team now is got to be penalized for what your team did then, or vice versa? You know what I mean? Like, why would a team? Uh, why would you be giving a team moving a team up just because they won a state championship two years ago? But I mean, or a year ago. I, but part I, of, but part of that is that the sex modifier goes toward the schools of choice, not so much the. Teams, right? It's just have. a it's it's just a ham fisted way of getting private schools up in the big division without saying you know with, which is with what a, a lot of people quantum, want, right? Which is what a lot of people want, which is what we get, and which is great. And there's a lot of people out there who don't, and their coaches alike, and I know and we know it, that they want them in their own division. But to me, then you have the same public schools playing for the division one state championship of public. It, to me, I, yeah, I, 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 mean, I want to see them play against the best. And yeah, I'm sorry, East Catholic has an advantage. I I just disagree with the coaches that feel that way. That's fine. well, teams like Hill House and teams like Windsor, like they don't care who because they they know they're gonna uh, get no, kids. No, they know they're Ken, gonna get kids. Uh, you know, Ken they, Smith he was on the show and he's he would I I don't think he wants them in their own division, but he he says that they have an advantage. They do, but Windsor can also win too. That's the other thing. Yes, I mean it's so not they, like when, Windsor, they, when they petitioned to go to Division Two the first year of this, I thought it was a joke. Yeah, I told Ken yeah, that. Which is not, yeah. But that, but a lot of teams were trying to petition to go to Division Two because they didn't want to play with the big boys. And I get Richfield and Trumbull not wanting to play with in that division. But again, right, because chances are they ain't going to win a state championship. I mean, Trumbull had a great year last year. They were great. They beat Sacred Heart. That's what we brought up in, in, in the previous segment with John Carroll. And they listen. They didn't play a great game against East Catholic. And they lost, but for them, Trumbull to have won a Division One state, to be in the semifinals was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Manchester in Division Two, big deal. It's a big deal for these. Right, schools. and unfortunately, it's not as big a deal as you and I think it is, or you and I believe it is, as far because as. they're not playing at Mohegan Sun. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the thing. Like that's where everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to play there, you know. And if you don't play there, it's almost like what's the point? I think. Listen, 
all the other stuff. I mean, what to me, what Waterford did in Division Two, which is a Class M enrollment, they were in Division Two due to success rule or whatever, and they were able to beat Manchester and New Britain in succession. Look at the enrollments of mm-hmm. Manchester oh, yeah. and New Britain, and think about what they were able to accomplish. Looking down the road, people are like, Waterford beat those schools. You watch when twenty years from now when we're out of this and. Wow, Waterford had a really good run. Yeah, they might be. Yeah, look at the bowl. Look at this. They might be still a graduate. They still were. You know, that's why, it, again, it's, and it's hard for a team like that to maintain that. And uh, obviously they're struggling this year. But that's, that to me is, is and part of this as well. Yeah, these other schools, they want to compete. You want, you want a level playing field. That's what people want, and I get that. They want a level playing field. Unfortunately, you're not going to get you that. You want a level playing field, and they want – they want it to be. Well, but they want, they people, want each division to be, you know, self-contained. I yeah, suppose. but they they want people want their cake and eat it too. They want this oh, team in this division. They want this. And that. You can't just cherry pick teams. There's a formula. You do the best you can. And if you took all the Catholic schools out and you took all the Magnus schools, what kind of tournament would you have? No, what would you have I, for hockey? I agree. I, uh, that's my point. You know, now, and, and yes, that's other where states do that. That's where that's, I think Renard. I think Renard Sutton really sets a, sets a good example by saying, "I don't care who." We're playing up every single time because we want to. We want we're Hill House, and we want to play against the best, and so on. So not, but you know. he's in the minority. Yeah, he is in. The he's minority. in very much the minority. Yeah, there, people don't because feel he's that won way. his state championships. There are guys who are like yeah. At I'm not, I'm not singling any of these coaches out. I'm just as an example, like a Richfield or a Trumbull or or you know some kind of like second tier double L school where they. They're like, I'm never going to win a state championship. I, I would prefer to play down in, in two. And I would have no or I would never. I'm not even going to forget that. win a state championship. I'm not going to compete for a state championship. And, I, and if, if they had petitioned the two and one, I wouldn't have cared. No. Richfield, if they played in two, it wouldn't bother me. Like, New it was Britain like, wasn't too last. It didn't bug me. People were complaining that. about Shelton beating Wamogo. Uh, yes, Wamogo shouldn't yeah, have been a three. But, but, but Shelton, what have they ever done in basketball in the right, last but the, here's 15 thing, years? Though, they're still a double L school. Yes, they are. You shouldn't yes, be in that. that and Wamogo shouldn't be that high. What was it, four? They were in those three. No, it was three. Right, right. So in Wamogo, okay. Wamogo shouldn't No, be they should not high. have been in three. And St. Joe shouldn't have been in four. Like, we, and, could go on, we could go around but then, and then there's some. Around. Yeah, then some guys would be like, well, Shelton's not a Division right. One school. What are they? You know, But what are they doing in four? They're Shelton. They're well, they're f- three, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Three. What are they doing in three? They're Shelton. They're double L school, and then it just. Now we went through this whole thing yeah, last I year. Know. You know, last year <laughs> you and I went. I mean, we we battled. Yeah. Over New Canaan, they're in three this year. They probably should have gone be, to they two. Be two. Okay, but they're not. So. Yeah. They I mean, what they play in the FCAC? I, yeah. I, you want a state championship? I mean, I mean Staples coach goes. Yeah, we're in two, but it's went, like they, Staples was in three last year, lost the second round. He's in two this year. He's like, that's where we belong. Right. There's some programs that are. Division two programs. They're not quite one. I would like to see it where it's like, if you want to do this, if you really want to do it, I would like to see like a three divisions where it's strictly by class. And then you have like, you know, you have your, your open division. That's kind of like a, where the open division is. One not, is kind of like the open division. Right. right. Where one is like, you have to play up if you're XYZ school, if you're, mm. if you, if you're sick at heart or if you're, you, we could do a five, we can bring we can in on, five on, coaches on, and do a, a five hour oh, podcast and still go round and round and round. Yeah. We don't have time for that. We, we don't, don't have, no, we've, we've won way out of time yeah, here so anyway. So yeah. games of the week. Just, yes. Just, really quickly. Obviously, uh, Ludlow and Trinity Catholic tonight, Trinity Catholic having lost to, uh, the aforementioned Staples. Uh, I, I don't think you want to fall two games behind, so that's a big game, two one-loss teams, uh, two teams getting votes in the poll. I, I thought 
and I'm hoping to be there tomorrow night just to watch or cover. I'm not sure yet. Bristol Central Innovation. <laughs> we talked about innovation a lot. Again, they were Division Five champion. Now they're in Division Two, and, and they're facing Bristol Central, and they got the, uh, Donovan Klingon, the seven footer, uh, um, getting. He's got offers from Syracuse and, and UConn. He's only a sophomore, and. And God only knows if he'll even be at Bristol Central next year, not to start trouble. But, I mean, we, we talked this whole segment about prep school. So, yeah. if your chance to go see a kid like that who's getting individual on that's a chance to go see him. Innovation, get there early. I, they don't seat that many. Um, we mentioned Sacred Heart High at Holy Cross. Obviously, there's not that many teams that have a shot to beat Sacred Heart, even now. Holy Cross is one of those teams that get them in their gym. Uh, John Carroll mentioned in the last segment, if you didn't listen, take a listen. Uh Talked about how his daughter plays for Holy Cross. They're playing a, a doubleheader uh, so he can watch his daughter play there as well. What, how that factors into preparation for his sec- the game after that, I don't know. But uh, Glastonbury, Middletown. You know, Middletown almost beat Windsor earlier in the year at the uh, up at Trinity College. Glastonbury's had a couple tough losses. Won the Northwest Catholic last week. Again, these are two teams that are going to be in contention with the big boys in the CCC. Law at West Haven, I mean, Law is a team I wrote about in the preseason. They're a team that's on the cusp of being one of those, I wouldn't say, I don't know about a contender for the league championship. I want to say one of those teams that can they take the next step. They won 18 games last year. At one point, they won seven games in, out of 120, or, or nine games out of 100. So what Jamie Anderson has done with that program to make them relevant has been impressive. And they've already beaten West Haven once, and they're going to West Haven Friday night. So I'm I'm intrigued by that game as well. And then again, going back to the FCX Staples, we talked about it in the opener, opening segment. Staples, can you winning on the road is important in high school basketball. It it determines how if you can win a league championship or not. They go to Trumbull again. We talked about Trumbull, what Buddy Bray has done with the program, and and they're still a very good team and an FCX contender in my mind. So again, that should be a great game on Friday night. And uh, obviously we're. We're getting toward the halfway point of the season, Sean. Already. already. I mean, we going to do two goes, shows. It, it, go, <laughs> it, it goes quickly, and uh, you you start to see who separates themselves. We talk about that a lot in our po- soccer podcast and yeah. in this podcast. And who's, can you separate yourself? Are you going to be one of the big boys, or are you not? And I think that we'll start to see that in the, by uh, the end of January. We'll know. Mm, absolutely. So uh, we uh, that'll wrap it up for this podcast. Uh, we thank uh, John Carroll for joining us in the studio, as we mentioned. And... Uh, I guess that's it, Joe. We'll see you guys out there, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. For Joe Morelli, I'm Sean Patrick Foley. This has been Courtside on Game Time CT. Uh-huh.